right? It's uh, much more things involved with, okay, if you shoot a deer, <laughs> how are you gonna get the deer home? Uh, also, where to go hunting? What time to go hunting? I didn't think about all those things. It, it was kind of over my head at the time. And then, so this is just one example of, sometimes I think I know what to expect and there's so much more there. Just thinking about my guy Jordan, you know, just all the stuff that, that his experience did recently. Putting the business out there. And just think about everything that went along with him proposing. He's probably thinking about X, Y, and Z. But when that time came, it probably was more at that moment that he didn't think of. But what about yourself? Things in life that you might have thought you was ready for it, and you had prepared for it, but you just really wasn't ready or prepared enough. I think that described me in the test this week. As I have studied this word and studied it uh, throughout my life and read Romans 3, because what's Romans 3, 23? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Thank you, biblical scholars. So we have all read Romans 3.23, but now what about Romans 3, 1 through 8? We have probably read through that and kept going. There's so much there to unpack that set the stage for Romans 3.23. Even set the stage for Romans 9 that goes up to Romans 3.23. It's all today's text. Grounds us in for Paul to get them to sin. Because what happened is that something that's deep in the fallen nature of man that man wants to undermine sin. Man want to say, well, sin is just not that bad. Hey, it just was a piece of candy I hit. You're right, I stole. Well, I didn't, well, she said something to me or he said something to me. I just gave him a couple of cuss words. And so God will forgive me for that. Or I just looked at this little pornography here and there. You know, it wasn't too bad. It was pornography, right? It wasn't too bad. But over and over, we can be able to try to see ourselves. We try to downplay sin. Somebody might even say it's just a little white lie. Just a small lie. One of the things that's opened my eyes up more to this is a book that Alina has introduced me to. Uh, I don't want to mess the name of it. It's Respectful Sins. It's sins that I like that we respect. Some sins are like, I don't know, I would, no, I won't do this. I'm not going to shoot anybody. I would not do this. But what about the small, respectful sins? Right? The small sins that that's not too bad, you know. What Paul's going to tell us in Romans is that those small sins that are not too bad are those sins that God pours his wrath out on. God punishes sin. Small sin deserves hell. You're like, man, I just stole a non-later. Some of y'all kids don't know non-later. I just stole some Takis then, all right? I just stole some Takis. It wouldn't, I mean, I'm going to hell with some Takis. It's just a little old dollar, two dollar bag of Takis. 
How can I go to hell over Takis? Because God is glory, God is holy. And no sin can stay in his presence. So Paul's going to develop that here. I kind of gave some type of overview kind of what's happening. Because there's some Jews in our text in here. They are steady trying to look at, man, okay. They're trying to get out of this. It might be just those Gentiles and sinners. Uh, Jews, we're kind of upright. We're not as bad as those Gentiles. So Paul is going to kind of break it down before us today that no Jews, you have sinned against God. And you do deserve God's wrath as well. So how are we going to do it? We're going to do it in three points today. If you got a program on, on, on your phone. The, be, the benefit of being a Jew is that they were given the word of God, given God's word. The benefit of being a Jew, one of, one of the benefits of being a Jew, that they was given God's word, verses 1 and 2. Point 3 and 4. The problem of being a Jew was that many didn't believe God's word about sin. The problem of being a Jew was that many didn't believe God's word about sin, verses 3 and 4. Verse 5 and 8, God uses sin sinlessly for his purpose to display his righteousness in five ways. Again, listen to the words of point three. God uses sin sinlessly for his purpose to display his righteousness. So jump to point number one with me. The benefit of being a Jew is that they were given God's word. Look at verse 1. Then what advantage has the Jew? Paul, being, being a Jew, knew that the Jews were thinking of this question after we just heard of what happened in chapter 2. So the Jews are very, very sarcastically like, okay, then Paul, what's the purpose of the Jew of what you just said in chapter 2? That's been what he said in chapter 2. Let me read it for you in verse 28. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is certain circumcision outward in the physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So if it's all about the circumcision of the heart, then is it really a matter of being a Jew physically? So what Paul is saying is that by being a true Jew has been circumcising the heart, having a new heart in Christ. So the Jew is like, okay then. Why do we need to be a Jew by the flesh? Does it even matter us being a Jew by the flesh? I mean, why? Paul knew many was asking this question. So why even be a Jew then? If it's all about being circumcised in the heart. The Gentiles can be circumcised in the heart. The Jews can be circumcised in the heart. Why did God use Jews throughout the whole Bible then? What is the purpose of Jews? So some asking him this. So you can just be a believer by being circumcised in the heart. Why even be a Jew? He even go further with this. What is the value of circumcision? This question points back to chapter 2. Again, it's the circumcision of the heart. Is it really the matter? Why did God even allow the cutting of the foreskin? 
Again, this is a question that many Jews are possibly thinking. If it's all about circumcising the heart, why be even a Jew? Some might also be starting to think, why did God use again these Jewish people throughout the Old Testament? Why is it that Jewish people, if to have eternal life, it's not even being a Jewish people, why even be a Jew? So it's some confusion going on right now in this church. God created this whole story about all these Jews of the Old Testament, but now God will come out and say that now you can be saved, you can be a circumcised of the heart, it ain't about being a physical Jew. What is the world going on here? What is God doing here? How to follow sponsors. So they asked me the question then, what's the advantage of being a Jew? Why should we be circumcised? Paul said, it is an advantage. Much in every way. So Paul was like, hold on, slow down your thinking. I don't use the word terms, you know, young whoopersnappers. So Paul was saying, y'all young whoopersnappers, calm down. Calm down. Calm down with all that. Y'all know some people that do too much. Just, just, just calm down. That's what Paul is getting at. Calm down. It is an advantage of being a Jew. Don't get rid of the whole Old Testament because only Jews think about, okay, forget Moses again. And forget Abraham. Forget everybody in the Old Testament. Don't calm down. Now calm down before you get to that point. Much in every way. It is an advantage of being a Jew. But also it's an advantage of being circumcised. It is. Even though you might not understand, but it is an advantage. I think this is about sports, kids. About sports. Majority of kids would not go off to go to college and play sports. So should, so should kids just quit Little League football? Should they quit the Thunder? Should they quit the junior high team? Or what about somebody that's a cheerleader? Say, should they just quit being a cheerleader since they're not going to be a professional cheerleader in the NBA or the NFL? I would say this. Because regardless of not playing college sports, the other athletes that are playing the sports that might not go, or I would say kids that might not go on a professional level, it's still so much more that they can gain out of playing sports. Regardless of making it pro. But what's going to happen? By playing sports, it teaches you sportsmanship. It teaches you how to help those on the court, help those on the field. As a cheerleader, I have seen cheerleaders get thrown in the air. What if a cheerleader get thrown in the air and somebody move out the way? It's not going to be good, is it? Rihanna was one of the top cheerleaders in Palm Bluff. That wouldn't be right if somebody would leave them in the air. They would catch them. Sportsmanship is that good sportsman. Say, no, they throw them in the air, they stay there, and they catch them. Same thing about football, right? They build their teammates up. So regardless of not going pro, there's so many other things and benefits so you can learn from this. And what is happening is, what, what do we take that? What we take with that? Now the person that used to be a football, basketball player, cheerleader, now later on when they graduate high school, they go get a job, now they go and work with coworkers. 
They don't have their co-workers out. They know how to be to work on time now. Because now they've been taught to do work on, on a team on time. So now they become a good worker, a good um, co-worker. So film, I think, in a very similar way when we're doing over here. Even though somebody might not go to the NFL or NBA, there's still so many benefits that still for that person. Even for the Jews. Even though Jews, you have failed, you did so many different things, right? Even though it's a matter about circumstances of the heart, it's still some benefit of being a Jew. One of the benefits is verse 2. Think of verse 2 of one of the benefits. So begin with the Jews were entrusted with the oracle of God. The Jews were given God's word. Oracle of God is this revelation of God's word. It's God's word. God will speak to the Jews through the prophets and the law. So the Jews got a benefit of giving the word of God before the Gentiles. That the promise will be fulfilled of the coming Messiah. Who learned about the Messiah first? The Jews. That God was making a people for himself. Who learned about this first? The Jews. That God was going to bring about a child to a virgin mother. And Isaiah, who learned about this? The Jews. That God would use Babylonian captivity to bring about a people from bondage. Who learned about God rescuing people? It was God. I mean, the Jews. How God protected his people while they was in the line then. God gave the people of Israel the Ten Commandments and used Moses and Abraham and Jacob to tell the people about what God has said. So they knew that it was something greater to come. Now the Gentiles, right, by being Gentiles, I mean, they had a benefit of seeing God through creation, but the Gentiles didn't know about a redeemer. They didn't know about, in the sense of a demon coming down for sins. The Jews knew about this because God gave it to the law, through the law and the prophets. And also the writings. So family, the benefit of being a Jew, they gave, they was given God's word. It was given God's word. They knew what God's word said. They knew all these things about God's word. But one area of God's word that the Jews struggle with, that brings us to point number two. The problem of being a Jew was that many didn't believe God's word about sin. Think of verse three and four. What if some were unfaithful, Paul says here. This question is getting at, we know the benefit of receiving God's word through the prophet and by being a Jew, but what if some didn't hold fast to God's word? They're sinners. So again, if they are sinners, what is the purpose of being a Jew? So Paul's getting this now. Okay, we see God's word, we are Jew. Okay, what if we break God's word? Is it still a benefit of being a Jew? If Jews are sinners like the Gentiles, what is the purpose? Paul says in verse 1 that, it's no, that it is a benefit of being a Jew. And Paul goes on and says, does their faithlessness glorify the faithfulness of God? So by the Jews sinning, does that mess up God's bigger purpose of the oracle of God? 
Did God plan change since they sinned against God? Paul responds in verse 4. In very bold words, Bianca. By no means. Paul stopped there thinking right there on the spot. Because they're starting to think that, okay, since we've sinned, we are faithful. I mean, maybe everything else is notified. God's word, faithfulness is notified. And Paul said, by no means. Since y'all were unfaithful, that doesn't mean God's word is unfaithful. Vicky says this, the unbelief of men does not affect God's faithfulness. God is faithful regardless of your faithlessness. God is going to be faithful at all times. And Paul goes on to say, let God be true to everyone who are alive. If y'all believe that God's word, God is if y'all believe that God is unfaithful because of the unfaithfulness of the Jews, Paul is like, you all are liars. <laughs> not this God. This God is faithful. You might, you are not faithful, but this God is faithful. So everything God does is truthful. So God's promises aren't notified or nullified or put away because of the Jews' unfaithfulness. If God has a purpose for the Jews, it would not be put away because of the sins, because of their sins. So you might say, Chris, I'm, I'm kind of sticking with you, but I, you kind of lose me now. You lose me. What is happening is that Paul already started off with Romans 2, Romans 1. Paul is getting at that the Gentiles have sinned against God. Then he gets as the Jews have sinned against God. And so some Jews are still kind of leery, though. Okay, since we sin, then will God love us, or should God have abandoned us, or and so they start to ask all these questions instead of just facing the fact we sin, we need to save, we need you, God. Paul had to draw it on out for them. So right now they're all over the place with their thinking right now. So they know they have sinned against God. Now what to do with that? What to do with that? Paul gives us an example of this in verse 4. As it is written, that you may be justified in your word and prevail when you are judged. Paul is quoting Psalm 51. When David confessed to God now how he was wrong and he sinned against Bathsheba. You guys remember Bathsheba in the Old Testament? Bathsheba was married to a guy named Uriah. They were married to Uriah, and David, being a king, he took advantage of her and lay with her. And David sinned against the Lord. But also, Uriah was killed. So this verse in our text follows after the Greek translation of the Old Testament. But both are communicating the same thing here. That you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. And David read Psalm 51, confessing his sin. That God may be justified in your word. The word justified is actually the word righteous in the original. God must hold to his word to be righteous. When David sinned against Bathsheba, David tried to justify himself. David tried to cover up the lust he had. Remember that David had the young man Uriah killed in the army. 
And David tried to hide his sin. And what was the proper name that came and exposed him? Nathan. Nathan. Nathan was the one that came to him. And Nathan, Nathan gave him this imagery of a picture. Or gave him imagery. He was talking about David. At first, David was trying to hide his sin. David was trying to cover up his sins. And eventually, David's heart was exposed. And when David sinned against God, and David tried to justify himself, that was going to mess up God's plan. God's plan was going to be fulfilled. So God exposed David's heart, and David finally admitted his sin in this Psalm 51. David was so upset at God for punishing him as well. Remember, David's son was taken away and killed because of this adultery. God took his son away. So many other things that happened to him. And over time, David looking back at it is like, man, my sin done all of this. And he see that he deserves it. Dr. Moore Lord Jones says this. He says about David David, after he comes to a realization that he sinned against God. But David has now been enlightened. He has come to himself. And in this verse, he put it quite simply and plainly. He says, I have sinned and I have not a single plea. And what you have done and what you are doing to me is perfectly right. I want it to be made known and clear, said David, that you are absolutely just in all you're doing. So the verse we're talking about here, that you, are, that you may be justified in your words. God proved word proved itself to be true. Even when David would try to fight against God's word, and David didn't want to confess who he was that he sinned, over time, God's word was working on it, working on it, working on it, working on it, and God's word wasn't lying at all. God's word proved what David was doing was wrong, what David has always did, and hiding his sin was wrong. And what happened? God prevailed. His word revealed that David was a sinner and even a savior. God's word prevailed in that moment when David tried to hide his heart. God's word shows us our sin. When we see this, this platform that God has given the Jews the word and throughout the Old Testament from Isaiah 53. We see all throughout Deuteronomy. We see scriptures that are talking about sin all over the Old Testament. And David is, I mean, and, and Paul is getting that. All the Old Testament talks about sin. The oracle of God that I gave it to you, the word of God I gave to you, it talked about the sins of the people. And how God's word exposes the sins of the people. So David, you tried to hide your sin, but God's word proved that you have sinned. God's word proved that he is right and family, even for us. Even for us. Even when we try to justify our sins, even when we try to justify and try to say that, hey, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Or this wasn't too bad. It was just a little white lie. It was just a little, I just glanced this. This wasn't too bad. God's word said you will.
be judged. So what is he getting at here? What Paul is getting at here? That yes, it's the advantage of being a Jew, and what the advantage of being a Jew is that God's word has already exposed you, and you should already know from his word that you have sinned against him. So what's the advantage of being a Jew? That God's word said you have sinned. And God's word is always going to prove itself to be right. The Gentile, by their conscience, over time, they learn, you know, and they learn things through conscience, they learn things through nature. But God explicitly have given these things to the Jews. What is the advantage of being a Jew? That you know you're a sinner. You know you're a sinner through God's word. The Jews learn through God's word that they have sinned. So, now the Jews look at it now. God knew we were going to sin. God knew that we were going to sin. And the advantage of being a Jew is to know that we have sinned against God. What kind of God is this then? That brings up point number three. What is God going to sin? God used to sin sinlessly for his purpose to display his righteousness in 5-8. But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a heavenly way. Paul deals with what the people are possibly thinking. That if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, that means God can't discipline us because he is showing his righteousness through our failure. So God will be considered unrighteous to punish us for doing something he's going to benefit from anyway. So the question to get that is, if God knew we were going to sin, and when we sin, God turned around and make himself righteous. What kind of God is this? Paul is putting this before them as they were thinking these questions. So God is still righteous? Or is he unrighteous? Paul goes on and says this right here. By no means. He yells this out like a coach. By no means. Then he goes on to say, for then, how could God judge the world? If God is the one that is ordering our sins, or allowing sins to happen, happen to point to his righteousness, how in the world can we be judged if God ordering sin? Because some would say that it's God's fault then. It's God's fault. Family, no, it's our fault. We have sinned before God. We have sinned before God. We are the ones that done it. When we was enticed with lust and anger, it was us that gave into sin. We can't blame God for our sins. It was a picture in the Old Testament with David. You guys remember when David numbered the men in the Old Testament? When David numbered the men? 
And David sinned against God by numbering the men. But who told David to number men? God. God told him to number the men. And David numbered the men, but David the one still sinned. Family. God uses sin sinlessly. God didn't sin. David sinned in his own heart. But God uses his sin for his own purposes. Paul continues to say, but it through my slot. God truth abounds his glory. Why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that God may come, that good may come? Why am I condemned is why am I condemned in my life? Or sin abound to God's glory. So I, I will go ahead and do something bad then. If God's gonna bring about his righteousness in any way, if God's gonna bless me anyway, I might as well sin. Some people would say, well, sin is going to bring God's glory. So I'm going to go ahead and sin then. Like, go ahead and promote sin. Family, this is slanderous. God doesn't like sin. God hates sin. But God orders it for his own purpose. That points to his glory. That points to the Jews of the sinners. And points to the Jews being saved. He does the same thing for us. Family, our failures point to God's goodness. If we don't know our sins and we don't know our shortcomings, family, why would we want to save them? Understand the bad news first. We need to understand that the whole world has sinned against God. Jew and Gentiles both have sinned. And they can't justify themselves because God has ordered them in this. That brings us to this conclusion that Jew and Gentile deserve God's wrath. Paul is reminding the Roman church that everyone in this room has sinned. And you being a Jew, yes, you have a advantage of being a Jew. You have received God's word and you still sin. Even when you try to say that I'm a Jew and try to stick your chest out, family, you even was given God's word and you still sin. You're like worse than the Gentiles. Paul is reminding the Roman church again their sin. So they can appreciate the good news of the gospel. If David didn't see his sins, he wouldn't have prayed Psalm 51. He prayed Psalm 51 because he needed a savior. So family in the church this morning, as Paul writing his Romans, how do we love our neighbor? How do we be good Christians in the church? How do we serve one another in the church? Because we understand that we have been given the greatest news because we have sinned against God. Thank you, Khalil. Let me end with a couple applications here. 
to deal with them, you know, my time is up. Family, we are called to cherish all scriptures. When we come to passages that are difficult to understand, we shouldn't question God's character. When we come to difficult passages that we have a hard time understanding, we shouldn't question God's character. God's word is always right. He just hasn't given us all the understanding in that moment, but let us not question God's word. God's word is true even at times when we don't understand his word. God's word does not have any errors. His word is forever true. So if it's something that we are struggling with, it's not God's word, it's us. His word is true. And family, we must submit to his word. So the first application is, family, trust every word in the Bible. Somebody came to me the other day and they said, Creston, hey, you know, if somebody existed before Adam and Eve, it was a woman that Adam was married to, her name was Lucy. Was it Lucy? Lucy? Lydia, Lala, yeah, I think you the one told me something. But um, it was a woman that said Adam was married to in the Bible, in somewhere. And I started asking them nicely, man, I mean, that's something new. I, I never knew that. Can, can you show me God's word? And I'm still waiting to show me in Genesis 1, Genesis 2, and Genesis 3, it talks about Adam having another one. It's not in there. So family, even though a thing might sound so good on YouTube and TikTok and Instagram, if it's not in God's word, family, don't hold to it. Get away from it. Run from it. God cherished God's word. Number two, remember as a believer that our struggle with sin in this life will always be used for God's glory. Miss is not here to sing my favorite song. Is that by T.I.? All we do is win, win, win. No matter what, I got my money. Is that how I go? Oh, T. Payne, I'm sorry. I've been saved for a little, little, little while, so I've been out. So, T. Payne, I got money on my mind. Well, not that part of it. But all we do is win, 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 no matter what. God wins. Even when we sin, he turned our sin around for glory. But real quick, the picture of Joseph and his brothers. You remember the brothers sold Joseph in slavery? And they did him so wrong. And God used Joseph to save his brothers at the end of Genesis. Genesis. God used the evil deeds to turn around good. The ultimate picture here, family, us. Everybody look at me, look at me, look at me. All of us in this room have sinned, right? And we deserve hell. And God turns it around and brings his son Jesus, right, in the picture to make us right with him. So God turned the bad news into good news. Family, even today, I have heard so many stories how people have been molested. People have been abused. People have been broken. All these things have happened, now people have came back and God has used them to share their story with others, to care for others. So family, your struggles and your past, God turned those past and used them around to show his majesty in all of us, because he's good. Even in our failures of not listening, God turned around for us to be able to use that to teach others how to listen better. 
So family, as a believer, God used our struggles to turn around for his good and our good. We're gonna win. Last thing, number three. This is important, everybody listen, this is important. If you are enjoying your sins and thinking that God will bless you because you sin, that since you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, hey. I'm already there. Once saved, already saved. I'm in Christ. I can go live how I want to live. I can go do whatever I want to do. I can love. I can say, do whatever I want to do. Because God's going to turn around for his good. I'm going to be in heaven. Family, if that's you in this morning, and in this room this morning, if you believe that you can continue in sin and enjoy your sin and say that you believe in Jesus, he died on the cross for your sins. If you say you truly believe in Jesus and you continue in sin and don't turn from your sin, family, you will go to hell. Straight up. There's no one that is in Christ, truly in Christ, and your sin. Will you sin? Yes, we mess up. But you repent, you confess your sins, right? You confess and God help you. No one in this room is perfect. When we mess up at true belief, we turn to Jesus. If you enjoy your sin and you laugh over your sin, and you laugh and you don't mind continue laughing over your sin, family, ask yourself, do you truly know Jesus? Do you truly know Jesus? But for those truly in Christ, they weep over their sins. They go back to repent. They confess to others. Yes, Ms. Denise, I did you wrong. Yes, Zoe, I did you wrong. Miss Alina, I did you wrong. True believers do that. True believers do that. And they do that when true believers do that, they can rest in the Lord, they know the Lord has gone for them. They rest so good, they even start snowing. Let me pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, we 